What is going on, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the flagship podcast for LandGrantHolyLand.com's network of podcasts. It is Michigan week, so you know everything we're doing is super big this week. Make sure to visit the site LandGrantHolyLand.com. Follow along with all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and also on Spotify. We get a ton of great content coming your way. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. And of course, as it tends to be, this is a big one. Ohio State still undefeated, going on the road, playing an improving Michigan team over the last month or so. So we got a lot to talk about. And today's podcast should be a lot of fun. And instead of doing this preview with somebody from the Michigan side of things, I don't want to do that. You don't want to hear from a Michigan man or woman. You want to hear from... From, from someone special, from someone that can bring a voice and takes that this world has never seen before. But I am honored and I am so thrilled to be joined by my special guest host today. Um, he needs no introduction, anything more than that. Uh, folks, the Holy Land boys, right again. Patrick Mayhorn, what's going on? Dad's home. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy's home. What's going on, man? It's been a while since you and I recorded a podcast. What's what's new? It has been a while. It has been a uh, a really bizarre season of football for for me. I have uh, I have spent the year doing actual like in the press box media stuff, as I'm, I'm sure people who have uh, been following me on Twitter have seen, and it's um, very wildly different from, from just spewing off uh, tough Borland takes on a podcast <laughs> but uh I, I have to admit I, I've missed the uh the take side and uh when I when I saw we we had a little bit of a conversation on on Twitter and felt like it was time to uh to make my return and to to get some takes off um and uh it feels like now is uh now is the right time with the biggest game of the season coming up so for uh for one time we are back the holy ramble boys right again how cruel is it that this is like the one enjoyable ohio state football season in the last four years (laughs) (laughs) and it was like the one time we didn't get the podcast together so brutal but we got we got a lot to talk about and we're just we're winging this one folks we had a short discussion about it and figured let's let's talk about it so Heading into this game, how are you feeling? How do you think Ohio State matches up with these guys? Because I I don't really have a read on Michigan. I feel like they've just been doing their own thing for like the last month, and it's easy to just color them with, you know, how they looked against Army and how they looked against Wisconsin and losing losing those two games early. But they've been playing pretty well lately. Yeah, I um I'm responsible for writing team previews every week uh, for whoever Ohio State is playing in Michigan. Outside of like Rutgers in Maryland, which there's just nothing to say about, Michigan might have been the most difficult to get a read on, like you said, because um, when you're looking at Michigan, you kind of have to look at two teams. Um, you know, there's the one in all the way up to the first half of Penn State, and then there's the one since the second half of Penn State, the last four games, and then um, the half where I think they scored 21 points and very nearly come back to beat Penn State because. Um, going into that game, they were really bad. They were really, really bad. I mean, they had good games, decent scoring games against Illinois and Rutgers, but in general, that offense, I think, just took longer to click than they thought it would. And then really since that Penn State game, it it has looked a lot like what I expected Michigan to look like this year, what I think a lot of people expected Michigan to look like this year. Um, And for the sake of 
this game because Ohio State is getting what I feel to be the better version of Michigan. I think that you kind of just have to look at those last four games. And um, when you do that, it, it paints the picture of a team that I don't know if they can fully keep up with Ohio State just because I don't know if the talent in the trenches is there. And that's that's been kind of key all season. Um, but it certainly isn't a t- team I don't I don't think is going to get boat raced by Ohio State, which it felt like was, you know, they were on a path for that prior to that Penn State game. So it's definitely, it's a lot harder to uh, to preview and to predict than it was when Michigan was just not good. How much do you think Ryan Day and his staff are talking about Don Brown telling them they better be careful this week? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, Don Brown has not yet proved that he knows what Ryan Day does on offense. Um, so I, I'm not... I'm not sure they're super concerned about him in general, but uh, I, I would imagine, I don't know, if I was Michigan's head coach, I don't think I'd be giving Ohio State a ton of bulletin board material, but it feels like it's been you know five or six years running now where this has been the uh, the plan for Michigan, and it, it hasn't worked great yet, but maybe this year will be the one where they can finally trash talk their way into a win. It's super fitting that we're talking right after Ohio State just pay, played Penn State in a game where a lot of people were really critical of Ryan Day in the second half and you know the conservative play calling or whatever you want to call it and I know that you just wrote about that just actually today what was your take on how Ohio State looked in the second half and if that do you do you have any stock in in that going into another big game on the road well I think and I don't know if this is necessarily the 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 take that a lot of people had out of that because I think that Ohio State fans are rightfully kind of gun shy when they see conservative offense or what they perceive to be conservative offense because a lot of the plays against Penn State especially in the second half did look a lot like what we had seen in 2016 and 2017 you know back with uh, JT Barrett at quarterback but when I went in to write that film study, I was kind of expecting that to be confirmed. I was I was expecting to to come out of it thinking that there was really no good reason for Ohio State to do that. But actually going back and watching the film study, I, I'm less concerned about the, the play calling. And I think that the concern for Ohio State, if there is one coming into this game, should probably be the passing game in general, should probably be Justin Fields in general. Because I, I think he has been outstanding this year, especially given the circumstances coming in as first-year starter, still a very, very young player learning a new offense. Um, but this has been a constant all year. He doesn't really know what blitzes look like. Um, He's been able to to work around it. He's been he's done a very good job at working around it, as has uh, the offensive staff. But Justin Fields really isn't great when defenses throw kind of weird stuff at him. And Penn State did nothing but throw weird stuff at him. Um, and I think that that was a big reason that Ohio State went away from the passing game, even though it was working pretty well underneath. Um, even though Penn State isn't necessarily great in the defensive backfield, it was just a matter of Justin Fields. You know, regardless of what's going on down the field, he really wasn't looking at it. He was just trying to escape the blitz, escape the pressure, and that was really hurting the offense. And going into the game against Michigan, I don't think it'll be as big of an issue because Michigan's defensive line is just not as good as Penn State's. Their their front seven isn't in general. Um, but if there is a concern from that Penn State game that should be taken into the Michigan game, it's the fact that um, Justin Fields still really doesn't know what he's looking at when he sees a blitz and um, 
we saw that last year with Dwayne Haskins going into the Michigan game where we had some concerns about how he would pick up a blitz and he obviously did it perfectly. So it it might even be a non-factor, but that really does feel like the one issue that Ohio State has right now. Do you think keeping Chris Olave on the field is going to be a priority heading into this game? (laughs) (laughs) It it certainly should be, man. He's so good. Everything we talked about him in the last, last, at the end of last season, I think he's, he's delivered on it. And the point that, that I tried to make on Twitter and I said on on the recap for the the Penn State game was like it, it that was so confounding to me because when it comes to players that they trust it feels like they trust him more than anyone like that's that's why he was the dude they did the onside kick to that's why they put him on special teams mm-hmm. and then to just not have him on the field to me it just kind of felt like that was them throwing something to Austin Mack because it was senior day that's the only thing I could come up with yeah I there is something to be said for Austin Mack's ability as a blocker he's a really good blocker and yep. they they wanted to run a lot but Chris Olave I don't think he's a bad blocker. I, I don't see him missing a ton of blocks. He's he's certainly not as good as Austin Mack is at blocking. But, yeah, I, I think that he more than makes up for that than in the value that he brings in the passing attack. And um, I'm I'm just not – I'm not sure entirely what the plan is there with Austin Mack and, and why he has continued to see playing time for so long. I, I think that – he has some value. Maybe if you want four receivers out there, you want some extra blocking because you don't have two tight ends on the field. But um, when it's just been Victor, KJ Hill, and Austin Mack, I don't know if there's enough speed on the field with that said. And Ohio State ran it quite a bit against Penn State. Is there anything Michigan does that's concerning on offense where they where they match up? Because it feels like I, I saw some people talking about, oh, Penn State had this backup quarterback who was – uh, mobile. He's like a, a diet. What's it? What was uh What was the dude's name for Oklahoma? Was it Blake the Belldozer? Blake Bell. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. diet Blake <laughs> Bell, and that that seemed to give Ohio State a little bit of trouble because they had to adjust on the fly. And people were talking about how mobile Shea Patterson is, but to me, it doesn't really feel like Michigan kind of runs that same style or likes to use the same concepts that Penn State does. But is there anything watching that offense that you say, okay, they could? take advantage of this on the quarterback run thing no I, I think I mean Dylan McCaffrey's run the ball 13 times this year and Shea has I mean he's run it 72 times but he only has 66 yards which is really not a not a great ratio in general so I don't, I don't think that the quarterback run will be the thing that kills Ohio State in this game I, I think if anything um, Michigan's and this is it's strange to say given where they were but Michigan's passing attack has been legitimately good the last couple of weeks um, Shea has He's still not particularly consistent, um, but when he does make a good throw, it's really, really, really good. He, I mean, his best throws are on a rope, um, and that line has been playing a lot better. They've been keeping him upright more. I think his decision-making has been better, and then probably the burying the lead here a little bit, the best part of that offense is the receiving core. Um, Ronnie Bell is probably one of the better wide receivers in America, I would say. He's really, really good. Nico Collins, all he does is catch bombs. Um, and then you've got a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is essentially their version of K.J. Hill. He's a, a slightly taller, I believe, K.J. Hill. Um, but the concern with Michigan's offense is the passing attack, and I, I know that that's very easily um, 
kind of shrugged away given the fact that this has happened every year for like the last five years where oh Michigan's pulling it together right into the Ohio State game the passing game is is kicking but um, if there is a thing on that offense it's Shea Patterson it's those wide receivers and um, I, I do think that they will have more issues with Ohio State's defensive backs which are probably the best in the country than they have against anybody else but uh, if Michigan's going to move the football, it will be with Shea Patterson. It'll be with some some deep passes that his receivers are able to go up and get. Yeah, purely matchup-wise, that, to me, that matchup between Michigan's yeah, receivers and yeah. Ohio State's DBs is the best of the game. And, and I don't think people are going like, to talk about it at all this week because it's going to be, how's, how's Ryan Day going to do? What if Jim Harbaugh loses to Ryan Day in his first year? You know, can how's, how's Michigan going to block Chase Young? How will Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins do? But... That matchup between Ohio State's DBs and Michigan's receivers is going to be huge. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that Ohio State's scheme maybe minimizes that a little bit because of how much cover three they're running to the point where, I mean, if you're hitting a deep ball on it, it was it was less that you beat a corner directly as much as it was a coverage bust, which doesn't happen very often with Ohio State. But um, yeah, Ronnie Bell against Sean Wade, uh, Nico Collins with uh, with Jeff Okuda, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Damon Arnett. That's a really, really exciting matchup. That's, uh, I mean, that's probably the key for the game outside of like maybe Ohio State's offensive line against Michigan's defensive line. But uh, if Michigan can move the ball in the air, I think that they can probably maybe not keep up, but certainly keep it close in the same way that Penn State did and probably have a little bit more success offensively than Penn State did without having to force three or four turnovers. Can Michigan do anything to corral Chase Young? How are, how are their tackles? Are they just oh, praying this week? Um, John Runyon is really good. I'll, I'll give him some credit. He's really good. They they have a, I don't know if it's as good as I thought it would be coming into the season, but they have a legitimately pretty good def- or offensive line. They're experienced. They uh, That isn't all good experience, but they're starting to figure out this offense they're starting to figure out how to pass block a little bit better um that's not going to be enough to stop chase young because I, I don't think that there is an offensive line in the country that can stop chase young but um john runyon paired with maybe one or even two tight ends on that same side pretty much every single play might have to be the only way that they can slow him down and when you do that, as we've seen before, you're opening up room for Jay Sean Cornell and for Davon Hamilton and you know even for somebody like Tyreek Smith, who I don't think has quite lived up to expectations this year, but has still been very good and can take advantage when you leave him in, in single, you know, single blocking schemes. I was saying that after the Penn State game, like obviously Chase Young had one of the best games we've ever yeah. seen, but even even so like it's hard to say, hey, you could take this defense to the next level because they're the best defense in the country, but it feels like if they can get anything consistent out of Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison, then it's just it's hard to see an offense being able to move the ball consistently because you have to have so much attention focused on Young that if Harrison or Smith hit their stride, you have those guys inside too, and that just wrecks a whole offense's game plan. Yeah, for sure, and I, I think that Ohio State's strengths um, defensively are favorable going into this matchup because Michigan really can't run super well. Hassan Haskins has been pretty good the last couple of weeks, but uh, neither he nor Zach Charbonnet are really anything to, to be super concerned about. And I, I think that the way that you beat this defense is with 
probably quick hit passes and, and being able to run, having a quarterback that can run. And Michigan really doesn't do a ton of any of that. Uh, if if there's going to be some success offensively, it'll be because they're able to maybe not even neutralize Chase Young, but slow him down. And, and they're able to create some big plays downfield, um, both of which I, I don't see being super likely. So it, if Michigan wants to win, it'll probably be have to be in the same way that the Penn State game was where they're just forcing turnovers and they're able to uh, put Ohio State into a box where it kind of has to play conservatively and and even then it would be it's a tough sell was that Baron Browning's best game he's really good Uh, I I think it probably was his best game but man he's really good him and him and Justin Hilliard it seems like those guys should those Mm -hmm. guys should play football (laughs) I like those guys when they're out on the field look into it it's nice it was (laughs) Seeing Justin Hilliard out there making plays on senior day, what what else to to you stands out in this matchup? Is there anything that like a sneaky area where Ohio State is has so much of an advantage that they can they can use that, and it's not something anybody's really talking about yet? I think Michigan's defensive line isn't very good. I, I'm not. It's kind of weird to say given what they have been the last couple years, but I'm not really sold on Aiden Hutchinson just in general I'm not sold on Carlo Kemp um Quiddy Pay is fine but they they don't get I don't know if they get as much pressure as they maybe need to um especially against a team like Ohio State and um they'll schedule up some some weird blitzes they'll schedule up some unique stuff that can get into the backfield um Josh Uche is is pretty good he's a really good pass rush specialist but uh I think Ohio State's offensive line against Michigan's defensive line could be a place where Ohio State could could shine, especially in the running game. Um, I'm not. I don't. I don't know. Imagine that Ohio State is super concerned about those defensive tackles. They they've played against much better, even you know as recently as against Penn State. But in terms of matchups where Ohio State could actually be challenged on the offensive side of the ball. Um, he wasn't good last year, but Kalik Hudson is really, really good this year. He's one of the uh, one of the best kind of safety cornerback hybrids in the country, and he he fits that position really, really well, um, better than someone like Jabril Peppers did, which I, I think we kind of assumed would happen last year, and it really didn't. But he has come into his own this year as a senior. Um, Jordan Glasgow kind of plays the same position. He's a little bit more of a linebacker, but I, I think that that back seven with the, the three linebackers, all three of whom are kind of hybrid players, and then four pretty good defensive backs. I think Josh Metellus has gotten better after he had a really rough game against Ohio State last year. Um, and then Ambry Thomas and uh, Lavert Hill are both really good. Lavert Hill is one of the better cornerbacks Ohio State has played this season. So I, I would imagine, much to the disdain of the Ohio State uh, Twitter uh, you know, people who are posting on Twitter about Ohio State being too conservative, um, much to the disdain of them, I would imagine it'll be another run-heavy game. Um, but in this case, it it makes more sense going into the game because Michigan's strength is their pass defense. They're really, really good at defending the pass, and I think you can run on them. Um, and I would imagine that Ohio State is going to. Yeah, just looking at this defensive line, it's not as fierce as it's been in years past, yeah, and like no I, Sean Gary, I kept saying for the Penn State game is like if they can if they can just put off get five yards a pop, then it's going to open everything else up for the offense. And I'm I'm just as concerned as you are about you know if it's I mean they keep getting into third and longs and they keep just sort of pulling it out and and being being great, but it, at some point you just can't live in third and eight and hope that Fields can can bail you out every single time. 
But if they're able to run for five, six yards a pop, which I think for the most part they should be able to do, and Michigan stacks that box, then you start to see a little bit more, hopefully, of the intermediate passing game. And I would say the deep balls, but it just seems like that's something where they're just they're they're not on the same page, and it's really only. Uh, Fields and, and Chris Olave, and at this point, it's just like, hey, throw the ball up, and, and Olave's just going to go get it. Like you don't have to be perfect with it, but if they're able to have a big game on the ground, it, that seems like the factor of that. That's how they're going to build the lead, and that's how they're going to have success. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that um, there's definitely a, a push for Ohio State to throw the, the ball down the field more. Um, this is something that I talked about on Twitter and I, I would have liked to get to in my film study if it hadn't gone 2,000 words already. But uh, the Ohio State instituting more of a play action into their offense makes a lot of sense on paper. I think I would like to see it more just to see what it looks like. But like you mentioned, the downfield throwing still isn't quite there. It hasn't hurt them yet. I don't think it will. But uh, I, I do think that's something that would probably be a pretty valuable addition to the offense if Justin Fields was able to handle something like that. But I would imagine that's not in there for a pretty good reason. Um, and that's that's been a lot of the passing game this year is, well, we know that they can do it, but they probably aren't for a, a pretty good reason. All right, instead of a prediction, one out of 10, how, how confident are you that Ohio State can go into Michigan and win? Win, probably a nine. If it's cover, I don't know what the line is. I think it's like 10-ish. If it's cover, probably like six. I, I think it's going to be close, but I, I don't think Michigan has enough to win this game. Is there any, not under the radar players, but like a, a dude, like we looked at uh, Austin Mack, who had that, that catch and a couple of big plays the last time Ohio State played at Michigan. Is there one of those guys that you think like, hey, this is this is his game. He's going to be the guy we're talking about afterwards. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to have a really good game. I, I, he's been good all year, and I think that he will be good again in this one. But if for like a breakout player, um, it, it it sounds almost too uh, directly to the script to actually happen. But uh, Garrett Wilson doing the exact oh, same yeah. thing that Chris Olave did last year would make a lot of sense to me. Um, he's really good at finding space in a defense, just like Olave uh, is and was last year. Um and I, I think that, you know, he, he's a guy who could have success against Michigan, especially because I don't imagine they're going to do a ton of preparing for him. And uh, his his skill set is a unique one and one that uh, I would imagine could could yield some success if Ohio State wants to throw to him. He really made those Penn State defenders look like idiots on that one catch. He's yeah, yeah <laughs> he's, he's, he's going to he's going to be really, really good. He's super talented. I'm excited to watch him and Chris Olave next season after Wilson gets another year of seasoning. All right, let's talk about what we really are here to talk about on this episode, and that's Greg Schiano not getting the Rutgers job. How, <laughs> how are you feeling that it is not Rutgers head coach Greg Schiano? Um, congratulations to Rutgers, man. I, <laughs> I've seen... I've seen so many pieces from people who like cover that program and people who are fans of that program. They're like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. How could they not, you know, shell out the money for Greg Schiano? It's like they should shell out that money. They should build an indoor facility and actually make an effort. But um, this is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to them. I mean, go hire the coach at Princeton. Go hire Willie Fritz. Like, just hire anybody that knows how to coach a defense in 2019. I when I when I saw that, I just couldn't help but laugh. So it's like, oh man, everybody's going to make us think about this, and they're going to end up getting it right on accident. Uh, do you see the list of demands or the reported list of demands? Uh, somewhat. I, I saw the 
the reported contract. I have not seen the full list of demands. Uh, one of them was a buyout starting at $25.2 million and then unlimited private jet use. <laughs> Oh man, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how Greg Schiano's thinking. I don't like you, Greg Schiano, but I like um, what you think. Also, the freedom to walk without penalty if the school did not improve its football facilities by 2023. This is just an epic play by his agent and uh, lawyers. Also, the uh, this all of these demands seem very interesting, given that the last time he was hired somewhere other than Rutgers. They were like, the fans literally revolted. And they were like, absolutely not. Let's not make this happen. Seems like if it's not Rutgers, I I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll be defensive coordinator at, at USC after Urban Meyer takes that job. That seems to be the most likely scenario. Oh, God. Yeah, oh, um, USC head coach Urban Meyer featuring a defensive staff with all... He's playing all the hits. Tabor Johnson's back. Greg Schiano's back. Uh, Bill Davis, they... Pulled him back in from the NFL, just getting the gang back together. <laughs> At this rate, offensive USC offensive coordinator Tom Herman, the way this thing's oh, going. Oh man, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna go steal Tim Beck. We already know it's coming, and then Tom will come the year later, and it, it'll be good. We'll like to see it. That rules. I'm here for it. Uh, do you have any more thoughts about the Ohio State Michigan game? Um, it should be fun. It, it should be a uh, an interesting game. Like I said, I I'm pretty sure Ohio State's going to win. I don't think that Michigan quite has the dogs to keep up, but. Uh, the the hype going into this game is always really fun and and i think that it's certainly as important as it has been in a pretty long time i mean going back at least to 2016 it's it is on that level i would say michigan isn't a playoff contender but um this is a really big deal for ohio state they have not been in this specific spot in kind of a long time when you think about it going into the michigan game where they pretty much control their own destiny going into postseason play. I think back in 2013, you could say that was the case, but, um, you know, 2016 maybe as well. I think you can make that argument, but, uh, it, it's Ohio state usually doesn't go into this game without a really bad loss already on the, the docket and usually doesn't go into this game looking as unbeatable as they have. And I'm, I'm interested to see if they can continue that against Michigan. I would imagine that they can, but uh, it, it should be fun to watch. And then final, final question here. This is the one that's going to get everybody all upset this week. You think Ohio state can lose this game win against either Minnesota or Wisconsin and still make the playoff? I think it would depend. I don't think that they would control their own destiny at that point. Um, I think it would probably depend on, firstly, they would have to crush whoever they play in the Big Ten Championship. It would have to be maybe not on the same level as uh, 59 nothing, but it would have to be pretty close. And I, I think that would be well within the realm of possibility. Um, and then they would probably need some help. I think they'd probably need Auburn to beat Alabama this weekend, which also not out of the realm of possibility. Um, they would need LSU to beat Georgia pretty handily. I think they'd need Oregon to beat Utah. Um, and then I, I would imagine that Ohio State, with a Big Ten championship, would get in over a, a one-loss Big 12 champion, uh, whichever one it is. But they would certainly need some help, especially in the SEC. It would be the most hilarious scenario for Michigan to finally win that oh, game. absolutely. And then Ohio yeah. State just makes the playoff, wins the national championship anyway, <laughs> and they can't even brag about it. Like, I am, oh, I am so here for it. But that pretty much does it for today's episode. I'm so glad we got to do this with Patrick and have him back on the show. You guys can check out all of his work over at Buckeye Sports Bulletin. I've been reading all of the film studies 
all season long. They've been pretty damn good. I just pair it off of whatever you say, and I'm like, yeah, that's what's going on with Ohio State right now. So I owe you a fee. Um, Appreciate it. But that. it's great to have you back on the show, man. I'm glad to see you killing it, and uh, I'm glad we could do this. Always happy to come back on the uh, the Holy Land Pod. Will always have a place in this heart. The uh, the boys right again. I don't want to hear anything from you, iTunes, Apple reviewers about this. And, and yeah, no, already, <laughs> nobody on here saying CJ Saunders is a threat. Nothing like that. Five stars only. I uh, was it was it on the uh, no? It was on Instagram. They uh, the Ohio State football account did this uh, like long video, like an Instagram TV story about CJ Saunders the other day, and it was oh, like man. how he's how he's a great coach, and I was like, absolutely, he's a phenomenal yep. coach. Like, let's <laughs> yes, I am super here for it. But make sure to visit all of Patrick's work over at Buckeye Sports Bulletin. He's also on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. We're on Twitter as a show at Holy Land Pod. Make sure to send all of your questions and comments there, and we'll talk about them after the game. That should be a very lengthy and fun episode, so be on the lookout for that later on on Saturday or early Sunday morning. But that's when I'll talk to you next time. I hope you guys enjoy the game. Have fun. Be safe this weekend. If you're going up to Ann Arbor, be very loud. Hopefully you guys can come home with a win. But I will talk to you guys later on this weekend right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. And go Bucks.